You're listening to the Church 2911 Sermons Podcast. You can find notes for this message along with more information about our church by visiting church2911.com. Here's our lead pastor, Rick Hand, with this week's message. So what next? Okay, last week was, what was last Sunday? Easter. Man, it seems like it was a long, long time ago, but it was Easter. That was just one week ago, seven days ago, Easter. So um, two days before Easter was what? Good Friday. Yeah, Good Friday. So that was the day that Jesus was what? Crucified. And Easter was the day that Jesus what? Okay, so, so we just celebrated, remember, Passion Week and all that Jesus did in that week. And, uh, and uh, he bought our salvation on the cross of Calvary. And then on Sunday, he paved our way uh, out of the grave and into eternal life. So... What's next? What's next? Now, what do we do? I mean, you know, the disciples could have asked that question too. What do we do? What do we do now that all this is done? What do we do, you know, now that Jesus is gone? So what do, what do we do that we, you know, if you're a new Christian, what do I do now? What is next? Glad you asked, okay? Let's go to Galatians this morning and, uh, and, and read what the Bible tells us. Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. Stand fast, therefore. What do I do next? Stand fast. Okay, stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. You know, so stand fast, therefore. In other words, don't blow it, right? Don't blow it. You know, uh, just just a moment ago, Jamie mentioned and uh, mentioned. Uh, that uh, leaving the 99 sheep behind to go find the one that was lost and you know that sounds really awesome and great unless you're one of the 99 right so he left me to go yeah but you're in a good place you're secure I mean the, the shepherd leaves them you know all all tied up or, or you know in the corral and everything everything's good and, and everything's protected it's like you know all those sheep have to do is just don't jump over the fence right so in the same way this is this is what Galatians is telling us just stand in what you've got you you've got this Okay, salvation is secure. You know, your eternal life is secure. It's there. I, just don't blow it. Don't give up any ground. Don't crawl over the fence. Don't sneak out of the gate. Don't, don't lose this. You're in this awesome place through, the, through salvation in Jesus Christ. And then what the Scripture does, you go down just a little, little further in Galatians chapter 5, and it draws a distinction between our old way and our new way of living. Okay, let's look, let's look at that. This is uh, verse 16 and 17. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. I mean, you ever feel like, you know, you just do stuff. Why, why did I do that? Well, if you let the Holy Spirit guide your lives, you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature, meaning that old self of who you were before you came to know Christ, before you had this new identity and this new life in him, this old nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. So you, you, you see this, right? We understand? These two forces are constantly fighting each other. I mean, I mean it's not like a discussion. I, you know, not in my life. I don't know about your life. But it's not like my old nature and my new nature in Christ are having a discussion. They're having war. We're fighting. We're battling. I mean, it's, it's for the battle of my soul. Uh, so you, uh, these two forces constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out 
your good intentions. But they, they fight and war and battle, and because of all this turmoil going in you, if, if you're not putting, putting that down and, and pushing it aside and continuing to focus on your new life in Jesus Christ, you'll not be able to do those things that you intend to do. I mean, like, you know, when you really intend to live right or do right or treat people right or, or have faith or all those things, and you can't do it, it's because of that sinful nature just keeps coming. Let me give you an example. You know, how many of you in this house are married? You don't even have to raise your hand. Just, just think about it, okay? Now, there was a time you weren't married, right? You weren't born married, were you? I know some of you have been married so long you kind of feel like maybe that's the way you came into this world, right? You're born married. But nobody was born married. You were single. When you were single, you had a different life than you had after you said, I do. And the preacher said, you're now husband and wife, right? You had a different life. Now that you had that different life, once you step into the married life, things change. You don't do the things that you used to do. You don't act in the same way as you used to act. There are things that you used to do that you don't do anymore. You don't flirt with your old girlfriends anymore. Or at least live to tell about it afterwards, right? <laughs> you don't go, and, and, I, and I guess I'm a guy, so I'm, I, I, I may lean this all a little bit toward the men, so you ladies just have to listen too, right? But uh, uh, For yourselves. But you, you don't go hang out with the guys till one or two or three o'clock in the morning, three or four nights a week now. You don't do that anymore. You know, you, and, and you don't get to use the remote control all the time anymore, right? You know, we, we don't get to. Now things have changed. You had a different life when you were single. Now you have a married life and all those things, and lots of other things have changed. And so you do things differently. What a great parallel to the old life and the new life that we have in Christ. Things have changed. Now, I know some, I, I can hear some rube out there saying, well, you know, uh, those things didn't really bother my first marriage. <laughs> right? Right? I mean, that's what we do. We say, ah, it, it won't bother, you know, until, and we don't know the truth until the truth has set us free maybe from something else, right? <laughs> and we got set free from that. But if you are still uh, flirting with your old boyfriends on Facebook, if you're still out late, gaming or uh maybe another gam word that you know or whatever you're doing with your your guy friends you know your, the boys late several nights a week and if you refuse to share the remote control you know you're gonna have a tough time in that new walk that you've got in your marriage and in the same way if you continue to try to live according to that old sinful flesh nature that you had you're gonna have a tough time trying to walk this Christianity you're gonna you're gonna have more doubts you're gonna have more questions you're gonna have more problems you're gonna say where is God <laughs> and he's gonna say I'm right over here you know you crawled out of the fence you know where is God why does God not answer why does God not speak why is this why 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 because you're not resting in that so Galatians then go down a couple more verses from here and right that's what, yeah we're still there Galatians goes a little bit deeper with this distinction between the old life and the new life okay all right so there's seven uh verse 19 i believe yes the fruit of the flesh now i know uh 
Some scriptures say work of the flesh. Some scriptures say the results of the flesh, the acts of the flesh, the deeds of the flesh, those kinds of things. I like to use this word right here today because we're going to talk also about another fruit in just a moment, okay? So right now we're talking about the fruit. Now what is fruit? Fruit is something that arises out of life, right? A tree produces fruit. Your life produces fruit. So the fruit of the flesh or the fruit of your old nature that you had before you became a Christian, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Here they are, all right? There are 16 of them listed here. I don't even have enough fingers, you know, to do that, right? 16 of them are listed here. And, and I think they are in categories, and I'm going to show you these categories here. But I, I think he's kind of laid it out because it's, it's like he grouped these together, grouped these together, grouped these together, right? And here are the results. Here's the works of the flesh. Here's the fruit of walking after your old nature, of letting go of what you've received and beginning to follow your old nature again. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures. Now, these are just, these are the sexual impurity things that we allow into our lives. And, uh, you know, if you look at that, say, well, isn't that all the same thing? Well, I look at it this way. Sexual immorality are the things we do with our bodies that are immoral sexually. And uh, uh, impurity are the things that we allow our minds to think on or to be engaged in. We, we think of things and impure, impure thoughts that we have. And then lustful pleasures are things that we act on but not with our bodies. And... Uh, you know, you, you know, I can hear somebody say, well, thank God the Bible doesn't say anything about that show I like to watch. It just did. Lustful pleasures that we allow our minds and maybe even some of our libido to be engaged in, those are the things. So, so this first category is about sexual, sexual impurities that we allow in our lives. The second one is idolatry and sorcery. Now, I know we look at this, and, and I always did when I was a kid, thinking, well, you know, I don't... I don't know anybody who's got an idol in their house, you know, uh, you know, other than maybe the TV or some things like that. We, we could talk about it that way, right? Or, or sorcery. I don't really know any, any witches personally, you know. But this category here is about false spiritual pursuits. People in his day, in Paul's day, people uh, in, in the time of Christ, they were chasing after idols and they were chasing after sorcery, witchcraft. How can someone help me with my problems and my situation? So they were chasing religious, spiritual things, but, fault, but false things instead of chasing after God. So that's the category that is there. And then there's hostility, quarreling, jealousy, and outbursts of anger. Um, now, 10, 15 years ago, preaching this sermon, I, I would not have characterized these in this way. But today, I'm going to use this word, drama. Y'all know what drama is? Y'all know what drama is? I have never seen an episode of uh, the Housewives of, of whichever one it is, I, or the bunch of them, right? Uh, I've never seen any of those, but I've seen enough commercials. That, that's a pretty good description right there of the stuff I've seen on the commercials, right? Hostility, quarreling, jealousy, and outbursts of anger. You know, so, so I, I wrap all that up in, into, that's, a, that's the drama category of when we allow things in our life to become bigger than they really are, when we turn things, twist things, and make things a whole lot worse. And, and listen, here, listen to this. Drama like that will sell a whole lot of commercials on TV, but it will not sell Christianity to your friend who needs Jesus Christ. And so if you're a person that's got drama in your life, let me, let, me, let me just caution you here. That drama doesn't come from your new nature in Jesus. That's something held over from your old nature, and you need to get rid of it. And then drunkenness, I'm, well, let me not skip, selfish ambition, dissension, division, 
and, and envy. And those are things, I'm going to call this category things, things that do not spread peace. You know, twice, I think it was selfish ambition. Ambition's fine. Ambition's a good thing. It's an asset. But selfish ambition is not. You know, where you, do, you are ambitious to the point of doing it in a way that harms others or dissension, division, and envy. Um, at least twice this year, I've taught, because very specifically, I said in sermons, that we have been commissioned by Jesus to spread peace. You remember me saying that? I've said it twice in a sermon, very specifically. I want to make sure you get this. We are commissioned to spread peace. He sent the disciples out. Then he sent another group of the disciples out. And both times he commissioned them to spread peace. He said, when you go into a city, when you go into a home, and if, if it's a worthy home, speak peace. And if it's not, then take the peace back. Take that blessing back. You remember that? I said that. But, now listen, let me tell you. I know some of y'all think, that preaching is really easy because, you know, I just get to stand up here and tell y'all all what y'all are doing wrong, right? You know, and so I get to stand up here and step on your toes. You know, well, let me, let me tell you what preaching really is when, you, when you're talking about these kinds of things in our lives, that get on our lives. You guys get your toes stepped on for about 30 minutes. I've had mine stepped on all week long. Because I'm, I'm, I'm preparing this sermon, and it's like, oh, yes, God, I remember that when I, oh, yes, God, I, you know, I, I mean, studying for a sermon is one of the most humbling things you will ever do. Because it will remind you of where you aren't yet perfect more than this, you know, this 30 minutes that you're getting out of it. So I hope you do more than just get this 30 minutes, but you go home with some of this. You look back to the, the, the sermon notes on the Connect page and all of those things that you look back to that that you hear. But it, since then, since I've told you that in the sermons two times this year, since I've done it, guess what? I've had two, you know, it's, isn't that crazy? You know, I've said it twice and I've had two opportunities I've had two challenges since that time where I had somebody that, you know, somebody in, it, that I had to deal with, that I had to engage with, and it went, y'all ever had one of the situations went from zero to 60 in 2.4 seconds, right? And it went that way, and I'm, the, and, and, I, you know, and I'm stumbling over, there is no fixing this. And I'm hearing the Holy Spirit say in my head, remember, you preach, spread peace. Yeah, yeah, so... So it's kind of like, you know, it's kind of like God feels like God beats me up while I'm studying the sermon, you know, and then once I declare it, it feels like the devil beats me up afterwards. You said this, so let's see you spread peace now, Bubba, you know, and so I'm there. And, and uh, both of these instances are really, really interesting because there are two people in this room. One was, one was kind of connected to one of those situations. They saw me kind of dealing with this. And then and the other person in this room right now, they were connected with the other one. And they, they saw me as like, you know, I don't know what else to do. And I tried, and I tried, and, and I felt so disgustingly defeated because I was not able to do what I preached. But then I walked away, and the Holy Spirit started speaking to me and said, it's not over. It said, here's the way. And both times, he told me how to go back and spread peace in those situations. You know, because there are at least eight unchurched people in these two situations and that's why I was so bothered by this it's like God I don't want to turn them I don't want them to to see me as the the you know the normal pastor the example of pastoring like this and he showed me how to spread peace in that and you know what neither none of those eight have been to 2911 yet but I'm believing God is going to use something that he's done. So, so listen, even though that looks like, oh, oh that's, that's just too hard to do. No, if we'll listen, 
remember that, that, that first scripture? If we'll let the Holy Spirit lead us, if we'll listen to that, then the last one is drunkenness. Wild parties is the last category. I, I, say, I would say that I would call that unbridled lifestyles. Just doing whatever. Now, you know what? Some people have used that scripture we've already read about the freedom we have in Christ. You know, and we've sang about it already this morning, the first song that we sang. Some people would use that to say, well, I can do whatever I want to. That's not what freedom in Christ means. <laughs> you know, unbridled uh, lifestyles. To just do, uh, can you say that? I, I think it was Max Licato who said this. Uh, get, try to give him credit for it. He, but he's, I believe it was him. He said, he said, I have never heard anybody say, having a beer makes me feel closer to Jesus. We all know. Come on, we all know. This, this unbridled uh, lifestyle activity in our life, yeah, no, it, it, that, that's not part of this new nature that we have. And then it says, and other sins like these. What does that mean? Think about that. He lists 16, and then the Bible says, and this is a paraphrase of that phrase right there, right? And this is not an exhaustive list. That there are a multitude of things, of works, of, of, of fruit of the flesh from your old nature. If you don't bridle that, if you don't, if you don't follow the leading of the Holy Spirit, you're going to have these things, and this isn't all the list. This isn't all of it. There are other things like these that will happen in your life if you aren't following after Spirit. Now, now let, me, let me say this right here. I think there, this helps us with an erroneous understanding that a lot of us have about uh, about um, about sin and about eternal life. He, he wraps this up right here, this part. He says, let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, here's the way most of us look at sin and eternal life, right? Is we say, you know, we ask the question, pastor or leader in a grow group, whoever, you know, youth pastor, you know, can you do this and still go to heaven? Or if I do this, will I go to hell? And see, so that's, that's kind of, and, and that's, that's backwards of the way this thing really, really works. You know, you're not going to hell because you committed a sin. Look at the explanation of how this works. That people who are in this new walk with Christ, they have eternal life. And it's because of this eternal life that they have that this is no longer part of their present life. So it's, it's not, if I commit this sin, I'm going to hell. But no, it's like, if I'm not going to heaven, if I don't have eternal life, then, I, then I've still got all this stuff still in my life. And so this, these things in our lives, and I know we hopefully none of, nobody has all these fruits in your life, but if we have even one of them, that should be a red flag to us. I mean, even, just one. Doesn't, doesn't mean that you're not going to inherit eternal life but it should be a red flag that we've allowed the old nature to start creeping back in. We stopped listening to the Holy Spirit in this area of our life, and we started listening to the old nature again because it's still there. Well, we crucified it, but man, it tries to get up every day. It tries, it tries to resurrect itself every single day, and if we don't keep pushing it down and keep listening to the Holy Spirit, we will allow these things to start creeping back in, and it, even one of them should be a red flag to us. So don't look at that list and say, yeah, I know people that got most of those, and I ain't as bad as that. No, no, no. This isn't a competition. This is, this is you and your life and your eternity and your walk with Christ. So you have to, even one of those is a red flag. But what does 
I said, I said it drew a deeper distinction. Yeah, let's talk now about the fruit of the Spirit. That's the fruit of the flesh. That's the fruit of the old nature that we have. What is the fruit of this new nature that we have? Okay, that goes on into verse 22 and 23. But, okay, you know, but's one of those words like, all right, let's, this one's, we're going somewhere else now, you know, not and, this is but, okay? But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. And again, I see categories right here. And the first one, love, joy, and peace are the deep, deep, deepest benefits that we have in our walk with Christ. Love and joy and peace. It's almost like, you know, you just say those kinds of things, you know, and it just kind of relaxes you a little bit to think about. It. But then you say, well, I just don't have all those. Okay, well, let's talk about that a little bit too. But let's look at what these things are supposed to bring to us. Love. That word there is agape, meaning godly love. It doesn't mean the same thing as love in a hot dog. You know, doesn't mean the same thing as loving your dog, okay? Godly love, I'm sorry, as much as you love your dog, godly love is a lot bigger, better, deeper than loving your dog or cat or whatever it is that you love, okay? It's, a, it's a godly love. It is, it is a love that allows you to have compassion on people who are unlovable. Does anybody here know anybody that's unlovable? Nobody raise your hands. I mean, it's really kind of an unchristian thing to admit. I know unlovable people, right? But we do, right? But let me ask you this. How many of you know somebody who's unlikable? I've raised my hand. Come on, the rest of y'all, y'all just, just trying to be kind and nice. You know what I really believe? I believe a lot of times it's easier to love an unlovable person than it is to love an unlikable person. Because if you don't like somebody, you hate a lot of stuff about them, and it's just hard to love that. I mean, when you, you know, an unlovable person, sometimes they just make mistakes, and they're just stupid or whatever. But an unlikable person, most of the time, they're doing it on purpose. And it's hard to have compassion on somebody who's doing it on purpose. Amen? And, but Jesus gives us, through the Spirit, he gives us this kind of love that allows us to even love those people that are unlikable. And who are doing it on purpose. Because when he found us, weren't we doing some things on purpose that we shouldn't be doing as well? And yet he loved us, right? And then there's joy. Joy. Y'all know what joy is. I, I got a friend, Dave, and I've got uh, some friends that, that we were close to in ministry. But, you know, over time, you know, they're three hours away from us now. You know, we've got grandkids. They got grandkids. You know, we just never see them, you know, occasionally. You know, I called up one time. I was trying to buy a trailer and called this place one time down in Dothan and and my buddy answered, and he kept talking. I thought, I know this voice, you know, and, and so we got, I hadn't seen him forever, but his wife, she smiles all the time, all the time, and people will say something about it, you know, they say, you know, Patty, you just smile all the time, and uh, when Bobby would hear that, Bobby's a little bit of a smart aleck, you know, and when Bobby would, I can tell you several Bobby stories, but I won't today, but uh, he, he said, uh, he would say, when somebody say, you know, Patty, you smile all the time, he said, well, you would too if you were li living with me. <laughs> Let me first of all tell you that ain't true. <laughs> that is not true. <laughs> you wouldn't be smiling for living with Bobby, okay? But you know what? That's a good parallel to the joy of Christ. If we could understand, just like we were singing earlier, if we could really understand what it is like to live in Christ, we should be full of joy as well. We could be smiling all the time, even smiling when things don't look like they're going right, even when things are falling apart, we can still have joy. I'm not talking about happiness, but there are times when you are not happy, but you still have the joy of the Lord. I don't understand that. I can't describe it to you because the Bible says it's unspeakable joy. You can't describe it. 
It's just there. I don't understand. And so, yeah, I, I look at Patty, and she's smiling all the time, and I know it ain't because she's living with Bobby, but it's there. I can't, or, or peace is very simple. The, the peace that God gives is very similar to that because the Word of God says it is, a, um, it is peace that goes beyond human understanding that we can't describe. You know what peace is, right? Peace is not the absence of conflict. It is confidence through the conflict. So when we come to Christ, all our problems don't go away, but we have a peace that it's going to be all right. Why? Because his promise still stands. Great is his faithfulness in all things. And so we have those things. So these are the things, these are the great, great deepest benefits of walking in the Spirit. Okay, so here's the second, second one. And I won't spend as much time on these, okay? But this is how we treat other people. Patience, gentleness, and goodness. How many like to have patience? Yeah, nobody, right? I want patience, and I want it right now, right? You know, and uh, again, you know, God tests me, either God, the Holy Spirit, or the devil, somebody tests me all the time. Yesterday on our way home, you know, I've already said in the sermon that, you know, people who are oblivious in traffic are one of my pet peeves, one of the hardest things for me to deal with. David says I have road rage. I hadn't shot at anybody or anything like that yet, but, but I, it, it tries my patience. Last night we were headed home and we were behind somebody for four miles who drove 10 miles an hour under the speed limit. And, you know, and I, I'm sure they were going home because they finally turned off. And I thought, oh, they're going home, you know. And they were just, they were just enjoying the ride. And I'm thinking, look at all these people behind you, and you're just enjoying the ride. Do y'all know how slow 35 is in a 45-mile-an-hour zone? Y'all know how slow that is, you know? And I'm just, you know, like wanting to, you know. And somebody told me the other day because I said something about this, you know, I have to be careful because I got that bumper sticker on the back. You know, I don't have one on the front, you know, so. <laughs> but, uh, right? But, and it tries your patience. And I wonder sometimes if God's not just trying my patience because we know that the working of our patience or you know, through tribulation, it works our patience or increases our patience. We don't like to have patience. We, we don't like to be gentle, but when we have to deal with people, we're supposed to do it gently. And we're supposed to be good. No matter how somebody else has treated us, we're supposed to be good. So the second category of the fruit of the Spirit is how we treat other people. All right, so, and then the third category is faith, meekness, and self-control. This is how we respond to situations in our life. Now, I read in, in, in my study, and I did, I, I read something, I, I, I gathered it, I gleaned it, but I did not write down who said it, so I'm not really sure, but it's, it's in one of the commentaries of a definition of faith. And all the time that I've ever preached on faith, and I've looked for a definition, I've gone to Hebrews, right? For faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen right that's really deep that's really good that's really awesome this person said it said this is a, a closer definition to the word and it means this it means divine persuasion and that blew me away you know I clicked away from that site you know too quickly but it blew me away as I just kept thinking about that divine that's what it means that's what it means that I didn't I didn't do this God gave every one of us a measure of faith and if, if I'm paying attention to this, I am divinely persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed to him until that day. 
that it's not in me to figure this out. It's not in me to have, have faith. It's not in me to have belief. But I am divinely persuaded in this so that when the battles come, because remember that this, this, this category is about how we deal with life stuff. When the battles come that I have this divine persuasion that his promise still stands. Great is his faithfulness. It'll still be there. Or, or meekness. Now, meekness is not being a doormat. Meekness is calm strength. Think about Jesus. If you want to know about meekness, think about Jesus. Jesus wasn't a doormat. He just knew when it was time to stand up and speak and when it was time to sit down. And when it was time to just let people go on their way because he didn't have anything to prove. Sometimes we think we got something to prove. You know, we got to bow up because we got to prove. As a Christian, I don't have anything to prove this world except these things that are supposed to be in my life. It's calm, strength, and self-control. Today, we see a whole lot more of other control than we do self-control. We're more interested in fixing each other than we are in looking into our own lives and seeing what's right, what's wrong, what needs to be fixed, what needs to be examined. And the, how this wraps up, it says, there is no law against these things. And let me tell you what I typed in my notes. As the, you know, as the response to that, that there is no law against these things, I typed, well, duh, <laughs> right? I meant, well, <laughs> come on, nobody's got a problem with this. Nobody's got a problem with you being patient with them, right? Nobody's got a problem with you being gentle, good with them. Nobody's got a problem with those things. Nobody's got a problem with it. There is no law against this stuff. Thanks for listening to the Church 2911 Sermons Podcast. If you have a need, we would love to pray with you. You can connect with our prayer team by emailing prayer at church2911.com or by texting 205-476-2911. You can learn more about our church by visiting us online at church2911.com and by connecting with us on Facebook and Instagram at church2911. We hope this message has encouraged you and reminded you that God loves you and has an amazing dream for your life. As always, we dare you to dream.